Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 34. Today, I will be interviewing Caroline Brewer, author, speaker, and literacy activist. Caroline has written 12 books, including Darius Daniels' Game On, which is her first middle grade novel, which she'll be talking about today. She has written seven books for children, four for adults, and has edited five books for students. Caroline has been a reading teacher and classroom teacher um, and an author and consultant. She has presented reading speeches and seminars in Washington, D.C., and in Ghana, West Africa, to more than 25,000 teachers, children, tutors, parents, and librarians. She has a background as an award-winning newspaper journalist and was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. And um, just before we start, I do want to refer you back, re- refer you to her website, which is carolinebrewerbooks.com. Um, I'm going to be asking Caroline some questions. I'm really honored, Caroline, to have you on today because, you know, you just, your work is just so creative and so unique, and I can't wait for you to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Becca. No, thank you. So I guess we'll start off the first question, just about your background, because you have a really interesting background and, you know, how that shaped your career as an author and a writer. Great. Yes. Well, both my personal and my professional backgrounds came together to shape my career as an author. Specifically, personally, my mother and the way she raised me um, had a huge impact on the work that I do now as an author. Um, My mother is a people person. She comes from a big family. She created a big family and not just a big family of blood relatives, but a big family of people from our neighborhood, our church, her friends, all of these people were so much like family. They were in our lives all the time. My mother's house was always full of people and my mother was always telling stories. She was telling stories, she was swapping stories and she was collecting new stories from among all these people who made up this big family that I grew up with. And so I grew up being entertained and intrigued by people's stories, my mother's stories the most, though. Um, And what's important about my mother's story is that many were like fables. They had surprising twists at the end, and they always held some moral lesson. So just growing up in this this world, this universe of, of all kinds of stories that really helped me to uh, become who I am as a person and later on uh, as a professional um, had, had such an impact. So it was by something of an accident that I became a journalist. <laughs> I became a professional writer, a professional storyteller, and I got the honor of doing for a living what my mother did naturally, telling stories, swapping stories, collecting news stories. And since I spent most of my career working for newspapers, of course, I had to write a lot. And I wrote every day, sometimes a couple of times a day. And I loved it. I, I love being the mix of people from 
different races, backgrounds, you know, economic circumstances, uh, just, you know, as diverse a group of people as you could imagine. Government officials, you know, teachers, nurses, you know, neighborhood activists, all of those people were a part of my life as um, an editorial writer and a columnist. So, um, you know, it, it allowed me um, to see another universe of stories and to, to constantly be touched by other people's stories. And at some point, um, my last job uh, was as a newspaper uh, feature uh, writer. And I wrote a column every Sunday called Inspirations. And so I got to write about all these people who were doing things that were uplifting and motivational. Um, a lot of them were volunteers, but a lot of them were people who did things professionally that were just really good for society. And at some point I decided I wanted to sort of live <laughs> that kind of life where I was doing something that, that was, was giving. I didn't just want to write about all these wonderful things that happened. I wanted to see if I could create more of that in my life. And it started um, by uh, me planning to become a motivational speaker. And in the process of doing that, I ended up writing a poem that became the children's book, Care of Fine Sunshine on a Rainy Day, which was my first book. So, you know, professionally and personally, um, those, those two lives just came together and started me on this career. Yeah, I mean, just when, when I went to your website, I would just, you know, I felt your energy. You know, you just have such positive energy and like you're so diverse. And I also love authors who are also classroom teachers because I just feel like you, you know, the teachers, you know, in the classroom all day with the kids. So, you know, really understood their perspective and, you know, what they enjoyed. So what, what grades did you teach when you were a teacher? Well, I was a reading teacher at an elementary school in Prince George's County, Maryland. And uh, so I taught from pre-K through sixth grade, which was quite a challenge, but um, it was also a lot of fun. I love the children. I learned something from every child at every grade level. And then I worked at an independent school here in uh, D.C., and I taught grades three through six. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I just... I always say like, I, you know, I've been working for 20 years with kids um, and adults, but it's like, you know, you learn something new from every single person that you meet. Um, yeah. So, and I'm sure that they're just so excited to see all your books. So um, I was hoping you could talk about your new book, Darius Daniels Game On. I know it's your first middle grade book um, and, and I'm excited for you to read an excerpt from it. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I, no, I love it. So if you could talk a little bit about it and, you know, just talk about also about what a rhythmic um, novel is, I think okay. for some people out there who may not know. Uh-huh. Well, um, again, glad you asked that question too. So Darius Daniels' Game On is a one-of-a-kind book as far as I know. I read a lot of children's books, of course, and I'm around a lot of children's books, uh, writers and other people in the industry. And my first agent, well, uh, my first agent, my first um, editor was Eileen Robinson, 
who was a um, executive editor for Scholastics. And she was over the children's division. She was also over what was happening with um, education publishing for schools. And she told me she'd never seen a book like this. She said, "It's this is one of a kind. It's something new. I've never seen it. And then my second editor was Amy Tipton, who um, was an agent and um, she specialized in middle grade novels. She said the same thing. She said, I've never seen a book like this. Um, and so as far as we know, it's the first of its kind. Um, and so I christened it a rhythmic novel, a subgenre in the verse novel family. And so what that means is that it's, it's a musical book. It's a book that as you're reading it, you can hear music, you can feel music, you're inspired to sing um, or to hum or to rap. Um, and, and it just, um, it, it really came to me, all of my children's picture books rhyme. And I don't know why that happened. It wasn't something that I planned. It was just you know, as I was growing up, I used to write poems for my mother for her birthday or for Mother's Day. And I guess they all rhymed. And I would write limericks. And, you know, I was just playing around. I wasn't, you know, following, trying to follow in the footsteps of any particular poet. It just, it was just something to do for fun. And so when I wrote that first children's book, I I didn't know it was going to come out the way it came out. And then the next one came that way, the next one. And, but when I wrote this book, it was mostly prose, but it had rhyming riddles in it. And so Eileen actually challenged me to make it um, a book of, of, of sonnets. And I thought she was crazy because I had already written the first draft and it was more than 70,000 words. And I thought, there's no way I can take what's mostly prose and turn it into a series of sonnets. You know, you have, it's, that's a really structured format. But I decided to just play around with the idea of making it even more like, you know, a book of poetry. And, and so something new came out of it, which I'm calling the rhythmic novel. It's really just so unique. It's, it really is. I mean, I'm so interested. So do you want to read an excerpt, an excerpt from it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll start with the first page. There should have been a warning that morning. There should have been a warning. A boy was about to be chased real hard like a basketball guard. D was his name, you see, and he was on the edge. Family and friends on one side getting together at his home, him on the other, sometimes feeling alone in a game world that made his head swirl, in a game world that made his head swirl, jammed up his brain, jammed up his brain, jammed up his brain, and rained karate chops and knocked him for a loop. He didn't see it coming that morning. Should have been a warning, but no. Oops. So that's from the first page. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that must be, you know, your readings must be amazing. I mean, the kids must love it. And I think, you know, just incorporating that rhythm and that music 
into reading. I think also for kids um, with any sort of, um, you know, maybe like reading delay or disability, I just feel like that makes it a lot easier to kind of, I don't know, move along with the text. Like it's, it's motivating to have that rhythm to it. Thank you. Thank you. And that, and that's so astute of you to point that out because this book was written for children who have difficulty reading uh, on any level, who have um, uh, difficulty, who, who've been diagnosed with some kind of um, disability. Um, I, I have been so blessed and so honored uh, to work as what I call a reading coach instead of a tutor, because I tell children that they already have everything they need to become a great reader or a great writer, but I'm just there to support them, to, to coach them. You know, I, I approach children as if they have only assets because I believe that's true. And that's what I've seen um, really work with children. So I've worked with children as really more than nine grade levels behind, but I've personally coached children as many as nine grade levels behind. And so when you're working with these children, they are completely intimidated by text. Um, they feel a great sense of failure before they even get started. Um, I've had so many children just break down and cry, um, you know, in the process of trying to read and they start to stumble. So I channeled everything that I know about working with those children into this book. I wanted it first and foremost to be fun. Uh, and then I wanted to, uh, at the same time, to be accessible, that they would find a way to get into this book. And so that very first excerpt that I read has what's called an absidarian or ABC poem. So if you're a child who's had some trouble uh, learning to read and you open up the book, you can't miss the fact that the letters A through O are on the page. And, and, you know, you can recognize that, that something special is happening there uh, with this book. And, and, and so, you know, I've had children on a first grade level just be thrilled by, by these first few pages. And I remember this first grader said to me, he said, well, you know, I don't really read books that don't have pictures in them. <laughs> he said, but I like this book and I want to read it. So for me, that was the highest compliment to, to have a child that young. This book is a fourth grade level book, but a child, um, you know, he, he probably is reading on at least a second grade level, but he wasn't intimidated. He was instantly drawn uh, to, the, to the work. And, and that's my hope for every child. And it's also my hope that avid readers, I've I've had 14-year-olds read the book and say, you know, I love this book. And, you know, I, I just had so much fun reading it. Well, I also think what helps, too, is that it's, everything is, it's not intimidating in the fact that there's very long chapters and long paragraphs. You have everything broken up. So I think for those kids with, you know, let's say some reading disabilities, you know, reading delays, that, you know, it's something that it doesn't look overwhelming and intimidating. You know, it's like these short paragraphs. And I think the fact that it does have a rhythm to it just makes it fun. Because I think sometimes, you know, with kids, it's like when they're so behind, they just, you know, their confidence is low 
and it's and all that decoding sometimes takes away from the content of you know what you're trying to read and the comprehension. But when you focus on the rhythm of it and making it fun, and also not ha- having things broken down like you do, and having you know the rhyme to it and the short chapters, I think for kids it's something that like a lot of different ages could embrace. Absolutely. Again, thank you for for pointing that out. This book was very intentional. Um, It required a lot more work on my part to make sure um, that, you know, we had short chapters and that within the chapters, we had short poems or short paragraphs, you know, that were transitioning to the next poem or the next section of a story. Um, absolutely. It was all intentional to make sure that kids had uh, a way to access, access the, the, the text that, you know, they, they could feel really comfortable about. Yeah. And I also think just like this could be a really good book to read aloud in the classroom for a teacher. And just for a suggestion, like as a parent, you know, if you got this book, how, what is the best way to read this book aloud? Is it, um, I mean, I know you could do it a lot of different ways where let's say if the parent doesn't have a lot of rhythm, <laughs> like you, okay. Or, you know, I mean, like, 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 like me and, and, you know, I don't have like the kind of, I don't kind of have the same type of rhythm as you for somebody who's maybe intimidated by that, a parent who's maybe intimidated or a classroom teacher who's maybe intimidated, how would you like, what, what kind of tips would you suggest for that, for, for that person? First and foremost, I would say there is no wrong way to read this book. This book flows with different kinds of rhythms there. um, And and it's really up to the person reading to determine, you know, how how to read it in a way that feels right to them. Uh, There are several poems that I wrote and I would read them fast. I would read them slow. You know, I would read them, um, you know, just... In, in terms of the, the first uh, poem that I read, I actually didn't read it the way it's written. I repeated some of the words because it later came to me that, oh, this would sound good if I, you know, repeated it over and over again, some of the, some of the phrases. So for me, the ideal way to read the book is just to make it your own, to, to, to just bring whoever you are to the experience, bring your energy, your enthusiasm, bring a sense of silliness um, to the book. You know, don't take yourself seriously. This this book is really all about having fun and, and being on this journey with Darius and his friends and his family. Um, you're just open up, opening yourself up to an adventure. Darius is, is, is going on an adventure in the story. And I hope that's how every reader approaches it. And uh, parents and, and, and teachers especially, like we are going to have an adventure. We're going to go someplace that's different that, um, you know, we might not have been before. We're going to discover new things. I mean, that's that's what a good book is anyway. It, it opens the door to a new kind of adventure and you get to have fun seeing what unfolds along the way. So, yeah, there, um, I, there's some, you know, I'm a music lover. Um, and so I love all kinds of music. I, I don't think, I mean, probably, you know, hard rock or punk rock are, are two kinds of music that, you know, I'm 
you know, don't necessarily listen to voluntarily, <laughs> but just about every other kind of, of genre um, I listen to and I, I listen as I'm writing. And so there were times when I felt like, ooh, this is really a jazz-like section of the story. And so I want to make it like jazz. Um, and then there were times where it was really, you know, had a, a hard driving drum beat. And so I wanted to make it like rap. Um, there were times where I felt the message was um, a message that was uplifting. And so I, uh, you know, my, my spiritual gospel influences came into play. And, and so it, it had that kind of flow to it. Um, and then I, I actually studied blues poetry and there were some sad places. And, and so I wrote it as a blues poem and I tried to make sure that it unfolded like, you know, this kind of melancholy moment um, where you could feel the sadness. Um, but there also is a sense of hopefulness mixed in. Um, so there are all kinds of rhythms that are in this work. And I, I hope that, that parents and teachers and children and youth leaders really embrace it and make it their own. Yeah, I mean, I almost could see, you know, part like your your book even being a song. I mean, have you ever written any songs? Because it just seems like it kind of all flows together. Because you, you know, so it would be it would be interesting. I could almost see this book as like a play, you know, as a musical. So that's just I don't know something to kind of think about. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's really cool. I think it's amazing. And I also, what I think too is that. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, kind of learning about different, um, you know, poems, what you were talking about, because, you know, your book is full of um, 10 different forms of poetry. And I think that's really interesting, too, you know, from, let's say, from a teacher's perspective in teaching all different types of poetry. I mean, I think for you, this come na comes naturally, um, but I think it's interesting. I think it's something that we don't think about a lot, you know, what are the different types of poetry and, you know, kind of bringing that up because I think a lot of students might, you know, love to write poetry, you know? And so I don't know, I guess it's, I guess the media has changed things a lot. You know, when you're growing up, kids are just always on their computer and not really sitting down, like writing down as much as, as much as, you know, I think when, you know, say when I was growing up, um, but I feel like also there's just so much within the book besides that. I mean, just to kind of, you know, for, for common core goals, um, for the teacher to really dissect and, you know, it's, it's a whole book in itself, but I think it all could also be, you know, great for partner reading because you could each, you know, maybe do a different, a different chapter you could read together. Um, then also dissecting it into the different types of poetry be really interesting. Absolutely. And I do have, um, a download for teachers um, and parents, anybody who wants to examine, you know, kind of go on a treasure hunt for the different types of poetry that are in the book. Um, I've, I've got other um, hand, handouts that um, you can use to um, uh, meet state standards or, you know, do whatever you want to do educationally to apply um, the poetry to to what you're trying to teach in terms of language arts. And I, I think that's, you know, 
the great gift of this book and the great gift of the advice that I got from Eileen Robinson. Um, and as a, as a reading coach and as a reading teacher, what I found, I found two forms of really revolutionary ways of teaching that would take kids who were struggling to a whole other level. And it was to teach with poems and also to have kids write about their own lives. So whenever I introduced lessons where kids could write about their own lives, their own experiences, um, whatever it was, I, I saw change in them. I saw them embracing themselves as writers when, you know, before, you know, uh, as you uh, pointed out, so many of our children spend so much time um, with electronic devices and they are not spending enough time, um, you know, contemplating their own thoughts about themselves, about issues in the world. Uh, and poetry gives you a vehicle for doing that. And, and then writing about your own experiences does. So I, I've seen revolutions happen uh, in, in classrooms and, and in, in schools by teaching poetry. So I am, I am here to facilitate that. I want teachers to know that I, I welcome their questions. Uh, I will share every resource that I have. And, um, you know, I, I will be promoting um, free uh, Skype interviews with classrooms. Uh, World Read Aloud Day uh, is, is promoting that. So I'll be just participating in that. I think it's in February. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I really want to be a resource and support for teachers and parents to get kids excited about reading and writing. And how would you get how would you get kids to you know start writing their own poem? Well, you have a poem that you want to model, and you you know you talk to them about you know you find something that you think they'll connect with. Um, I I used a lot of Shel Silverstein poems just to get you know, sort of get their toe into the water with poetry. But I've also used um, poems from Tupac Shakur's book, um, um, The Rose That Grew From Concrete. Um, you know, I would just find poetry everywhere. I use songs a lot. You know, kid, who doesn't love music? But kids don't think about the fact that music has to be written. <laughs> and so somebody has to write it and, and that, you know, because we use YouTube so much, you know, when I was growing up, the best thing that happened to us was to be able to read the lyrics on the back of an album. And, yeah. and so, you know, it was so cool to be able, you know, to, to recite the lyrics as they were meant <laughs> to be recited. And so... So I, I use songs. I have a whole stash of songs and, and we find the nouns and the proper nouns. And, you know, we work through all the language arts uh, standards just by using songs. And then, you know, so you have a model and, and, and then you work with the students to create something that's their own based on that model. Um, you know, I would often write uh you know, a version of the poem myself, uh, and and then we would work through it together as a class. And I would ask the student if they wanted to volunteer to, you know, work through the poem. Uh, 
in front of the class. And I remember one class where there was a, a girl who was in the fourth grade and she was probably on a first grade reading level. She would only read picture books. And so we got to this point where we started to write every day. And I asked her if she would volunteer to write a poem. And this poem was called, I love myself because, or I love myself when. And this is an incredibly difficult poem to write, but it's transformative. And so it was always the first poem that I would introduce uh, for, the, for them to write. Because you, ha- you had to think of three reasons why or when you loved yourself. And so this student volunteered to write her poem in front of the class with me working with her. And when all the other students, they knew you know, that she was at the lowest level. They knew that she was terribly uncomfortable with reading and writing. And when they saw her succeed in writing this poem that was so revealing about when she loved herself, everybody else just got to work and completed their poems in one morning. So it's why I've seen it transform children. And then all of a sudden they're, they're not intimidated. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I could, I could just see being so inspirational for kids, you know, and, and for teachers as well, because you're taking something that's, um, you know, that's very difficult for a child and making them feel successful. And I think that's kind of like the first step to feeling like you could overcome it, that you could make progress. Because, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen kids fall so far behind, so far behind. And um, just to see that glimpse of hope that they can do it is sometimes all they need just to kind of keep moving forward. Absolutely. So it's so, you know, it's I I know because, I mean, I work with children who have, you know, multiple disabilities, um, a lot of setbacks, um, but, you know, just feeling that that success. And also, you know, the way that you present it is so positive, mm-hmm. um, like that growth mindset where, you know, I, I, you know, right now I'm having trouble, but I could keep working at it and I'm not, I'm not there right now, but I'll get there, you know, I will get there. Um, so it's, Wow. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So I think that's great. And I also think that's a great tip for parents too, you know, to talk about, you know, just self-confidence because there is so, you know, sometimes we could get so focused on the things that are difficult for a child, but we forget what things, you know, what's so great about that, you know, what are, what are their strengths? You know, they may have trouble with reading and writing, but maybe they're, you know, they're an amazing musician um, and taking some of those strengths and bringing it into an area of weakness and combining it, you know? So maybe someone who's great with music. I mean, I work with plenty of kids that, you know, I work with one in particular who, who can't verbalize, but he, but he sings, you know, he hums along songs, but he can't, he can't use speech for communication, um, which, you know, he's a communication device, but it's really interesting how music is so therapeutic. You know, that's why music therapy, I just think is so interesting because it really just, it relaxes you. It, um, and it just brings this kind of like magic over. I think some people I've seen it, um, really change just, you know, they could just be transformed with music. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it, (laughs) 
music is healing and it opens doors for all kinds of wonderful things to happen. And um, I often start my readings, even before this book, with music or with some form of rhythm. Um, and, you know, everything that might have been um, of concern to a child or worrying them or, you know, weighing them down, all of a sudden they walk into a space and there's permission to be engaged with music. And, and so everything else goes away. And so they're instantly engaged. And, and so I would start my classes with music, whether it was just a, a, a rhythmic beat that we clapped out or that we tapped our feet to, but just something to say to them, okay, we're in a new space. You know, we're in a space where we have freedom to be creative and to have fun and to laugh and to be silly. And, and, and often in schools, especially now with the emphasis on testing, kids don't get to enter that kind of space. And if you are a child who has been struggling in an academic setting, you need that more than anything. And, you know, most of the children that I've, I've coached uh, have been children who've been diagnosed with special needs or uh, in need of special education services and support. But I always um, approach them as if they are just full of assets. And it's up to us to discover together what these assets are. And, and reading is just going to be a new asset that they're going to acquire. So... I think that's wonderful. Well, th- thank you so much today. Is there is there anything that you wanted to add before before we end? Um, well, you know, I I I really again wrote I wrote this book. For me, this book is a love story. It, it's a story about love of life, love of self, love of music, love of family and friends. And, and I think if people take that away, um, you know, we, we didn't really get to de- describe that, you know, it's a book about an 11-year-old boy who gets sucked into a video game and he's told that he can't get out unless he hurts somebody. So, you know, instantly he's faced and the reader is faced with all of these moral dilemmas, uh, but ultimately there's a story of, of love that's going on here. And if we are able to imagine ourselves as being a part of this love story, I think it will make it, you know, super easy to, to, to get through the story and to see how much meaning it holds in all of our lives. So I yeah, I, I, I love, I love it. I, I really do. I think you're just so talented. Oh, thank you. you really are. I mean, you just, it, it's pretty, it's amazing how you created, I mean, this book, but also your other books. Um, and it's, you know, so I'm really honored to have you on today because I think that your work is really inspiring. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored to be a part of this conversation. I'm so glad you're having it you know, week in and week out and, and, and sharing the wealth of great stories that are, that are out there. So yeah. 
and doing your beautiful work as a teacher, which is so important. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you, Caroline. Um, thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. 